And thank you all for being here today. I feel like I have so much space. I really want to explore all this space. And there's no instruments here. Yes, yes. Thank you for being here. Fall has fallen, as Sean, other Sean mentioned. And that's uh, kind of weird. I thought fall was going to be canceled due to lack of interest this year. But no, it's here. Fall is here, and so are you. And we're so glad that you're here with us. We are in part two of our message series. What are we calling this thing? This is the Your Faith and Your Finances message series. And um, as the title would indicate, we're talking about money, which is always a crowd-pleasing topic when churches talk about money. But we're talking about money, and we're spending four weeks talking about this. Why? Because money is a big part of your life. It's a big part of our lives, how we use it, how we make it, how we spend it, how we save it, how we give it away. And so that's why we're talking about this for four weeks. And last week we talked about your church a little bit, about this church, about Hope Community Church, and how we think about money, and how we, our perspective on money, and how we should raise funds as a church, and all this, how all this works. And so if you missed part one of that message, Series, you can go onto our website and find that there, hopeccdelco.com. That's hopeccdelco.com. Or you can check out your podcast app and just search for Hope CC Delco, all one word. You can subscribe to our podcast to catch up on that series. But basically, let me give you the overview if you weren't here last week. What we talked about last week is the fact that churches, we don't take from the community, we're not supposed to. The Church of Jesus was never supposed to be about taking from the community. Instead, we are supposed to be giving to the community. So one of our rules here as a church is we don't take from the community, we give to the community. And so those of us who are part of Hope Community Church, those of us who are believers and a part of this thing, we are the ones who carry the financial burden of this ministry. That's on us. It's not on the community. It's on us. The community shouldn't be giving to us. We should be giving to the community. That's the ideal, and that's what we need to be, and that's what we're living into. And so that's the recap of part one. And today we're moving on, and today's message title is Investments versus Donations, and so that's where we're headed today, talking about investing our money wisely. Once upon a time, this was a long time ago, almost about 15 years ago, um, I was in a, in a unique situation. At that time, I was um, the youth director at a church. I was in charge of youth ministry. I know that seems weird to imagine me as like a youth director since I have absolutely no rapport with teenagers nowadays. They just don't like me. I don't know what it is. I'm just not cool enough or whatever, but uh, once upon a time, I did have some rapport with kids, and so I was working in youth ministry, and there was a church in Springfield that used to do a Sunday night event every once in a while, and they'd have some kind of concert, they'd bring in these local bands, and so I thought it was wonderful because I didn't have to plan a lesson, I just took our kids to that, and I'm like, all right, great. So we would do that every once in a while, and uh, they had some pretty decent bands come through, and like Christian music, I could take it or leave it, whatever, but they had some pretty good bands come through. And uh, the one band they had, again, this is about 15 years ago, there was a band there, and they did their set, and they were really great, and you know, our, our kids really liked it, our teenagers liked what they were doing, and it was wonderful. And then towards the end of their set, they, um, they made this appeal to the audience, and they started talking about how we could sponsor children around the world who are in need in these third world countries. And if you've ever been to something like this, have you ever been in a situation where you go to, yeah, you've seen it? At some point during the, the concert, you're there for the Christian event, you're there for the concert, and they make that, here's what you can do to support a child in need around the world. And so it was a very, very passionate case. It was the lead singer of the band who was making this case for what we can do and how little money it would cost and all this. And I was like, wow, I was feeling very emotional and very passionate, and, and I was just like, okay, well, I, I got to do this. And so several of us, after the concert ended, several of us went back to the, you know, go to the back table, and there were band members there, and they gave the information. You could sign up and do this thing. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I felt like, you know, I didn't do my research or anything. I just felt like in the moment God was calling me to do this. I was emotional about it. I was like, I got, I got to do this. And, and so a lot of us, we went back and we signed up to do this thing. And so I made this commitment in that moment. I made a commitment to sponsor a child and from the age he was, whatever age he was going to be, they were going to assign a child to me. And then through, throughout that, his whole childhood, until he, until he turned 19, that was the deal. 
He's like, that's the commitment that I made. And so we started doing this thing, and so we felt good about it. I felt like God had called me to do it, and so that was that. And so a lot of us did that. Well, a few years into that sponsorship, there were some reports that came out about this organization, right? Uh, some reports that came out about how they handle your funds, and maybe your kids that you're sponsoring aren't getting as much as you think they are, and this, that, and the other. I was like, oh, man, are you serious? And that's always concerning when something like that comes out. And listen, I tried to tell you last week, I don't jump to judgment, I don't jump to conclusions when you hear things like this. I'm like, well, it's given the benefit of the doubt. I know what's going on. And there were counter-reports that said, no, it's totally cool. You can give your money there. It's legit. So I don't know what to make of the whole thing. But what I did know is that I had made a commitment to this kid. And now I had a child that I was sponsoring. What was I going to do? Pull my funding because I was suspicious of the organization? What am I supposed to do there? I'd made this commitment. So what I decided to do was I'm going to keep my commitment because that's what I should do. And then once this child turns 19, I'll look for another organization to partner with. And that's exactly what I did. But it's, it's a shame when stuff like that happens, when it kind of undermines your confidence, right? Because several of you in this room, you know what that's like when you give to something and you feel like, oh, is this really, is this going towards something important? Because when I part with my money, I want to know that I'm investing in something that, that there's going to be some kind of positive outcome, some kind of a return on my investment. And that's how I was taught to think about giving to charity. A long time ago, I don't even remember who taught me this. I don't know that it was a Christian thing. I don't know it was a secular thing. I don't know if I've read it somewhere. I don't know what the deal is. But a long time ago, someone put this idea in my head. That whenever I part with money, I should think of it as an investment, especially when it comes to giving to charity. It's not just throwing away your money. Oh, whatever, let's see, they'll do whatever they want. No, investing your money. When you make an investment with your money, you want to see some kind of return, right? I mean, I'm not a big finance guy. I don't know how these things work. I don't know what Wall Street, what's Wall, it's like a street somewhere. I don't know, with a wall on it. I don't know. Like, I don't really get that whole world. But when you invest in something, I mean, think literally about, you know, a lot of you have retirement accounts, right? Something like that, a 401k and, you know, whatever. And you put money in there and you want a return, right? And what do you want to happen with that money? You want that money to become more money, right? Seems like magic. How does that happen? You want to make an investment where there's some kind of return. And we really should think that way about our money. Anytime. Oh, the kids are happy now. Stairs. Yay! Right on cue. It's like they knew it, right? They're excited about it. <clears throat> anytime, <laughs> anytime we part with our money, we should think of it as an investment. We go to the grocery store. We purchase groceries. We're making an investment in our health, in our life. We need those groceries to sustain life. When you go on vacation, if you can afford that luxury, and yes, it is a luxury, when you go on vacation, you're spending this money, you're making an investment, and what are you investing in? You know, maybe you're investing in your personal mental health and well-being. Maybe you're investing in your family. You're going away together as a family, and you're building those relationships. But think of it as an investment. You make these purchases. And when you give to charity, I think we should think of it the same way. When we give to these causes... You know, whether it's something Christian or not Christian or just a general thing, if you give to some kind of disease research type thing, you want to know that your funds are going to be well managed, right? Well taken care of and that you're investing in the cure to that disease, right? And when you give to some kind of charity, depending on what the charity is, you want some kind of return. I want to see the results. I want to see the fruits, right? If I can use kind of a Christian-y term. I want to see the fruit of this charity, the fruit of this ministry, right? And so that's really what we should do. And this is a great guiding principle for life. We should think of it as an investment anytime we part with our hard-earned money. And you know that it is hard-earned. I know the hours you put in. Well, not as well as you do, right? You know the time that you put in, clocking in and clocking out and early. Like, it's your hard-earned money. You want to see some returns 
on your investments. The Bible passage that we're going to look at today, I'll tell them just a small section for us, but this passage we're going to look at today talks to us a little bit about investing our resources. Now this passage that we'll take a look at, you can, if you have your Bible with you, which is a great thing to bring with you, or your phone or whatever, you want to look up the whole chapter, it would be great. We're looking in Matthew 25, but this passage that we're looking at, again, Jesus is talking about investments, but this is a parable, okay? And so Jesus, you got to, I mean, we got to have some love and respect for Jesus here. I mean, the burden that Jesus carried with him, he had to communicate these profound truths of God to limited, finite human beings such as ourselves, right? And so he communicated to us the same kind of ideas in a lot of different ways, and he often used these parables, these stories, to communicate these messages to us, to help us relate, to help us connect with what he was saying. And so this is one of the parables that Jesus taught. And I think, listen, this is just one man's opinion, I think this is perhaps one of the most challenging teachings that Jesus presents to us for a number of reasons. This, is, this has the potential to be so offensive <laughs> if you're willing to read it and go beyond the surface and really investigate what is Jesus trying to say here. This is, this is a very challenging, potentially offensive teaching. Let's dive in. And so we begin, we're going to start, we're in Matthew 25, starting with verse 14. And so here's the situation. Jesus has already spoken. He's already taught some other um, parables. He's giving people an idea of what the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like. And what he does throughout his, God bless you, what he does throughout his ministries are these times where Jesus tries to show the contrast between the kingdom of this world, how things work in this world, and how people kind of out for themselves, and how kind of, you know, it's just the world way, the way of the world, and the way of God are two different things. And so one of the ideas that Jesus keeps teaching and keeps presenting is that the kingdom of God is different. It works differently. In fact, we as the church, we're supposed to be a reflection of the kingdom of God in this world. So this is what it will be like in the kingdom of God. This is what it will be like in the kingdom of heaven. Again, and so he's, he's given some other examples of what it will be like. He's giving us a new one here. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you who these characters represent, okay? I'm going to spoil this for you. If you don't believe me, look it up on your own time. Actually, you should. You should never believe. What do I know? All right? you know, look it up for yourselves if you don't believe me. And so here's who these characters represent. You've got a master and you've got some servants. And it becomes clear as you read the rest of the parable that the master is none other than Christ himself. Christ is the master and we are the servants. And there's three different servants in this story. And so some people ask, well, are the servants, are they representative of like all of humankind or just his followers? And there's some debate over that. I'm going to let you decide that for yourself. And so Christ is the master in the story and human beings are the servants. And here's what he does. And this is kind of a wild thing. The master is entrusting his wealth to his servants. Now, we're tempted to read over that and say, well, that's just, that, just, that, that must have been a thing back then that people did. Not, not really. <laughs> For someone, someone who was very wealthy, a master, a property owner, or a person who had servants to just say, well, I'm going to give my servants my resources. That's not a common thing back then, nor is it a common thing now. This is big. He's like, well, I'm going to go away for a while, all right? Now, just remember, you're going to have to make some of these connections on your own today as we go through this. This is Jesus talking, and Jesus, you know, he is away for a while, isn't he? Okay, so just think about this. This is Jesus, and he's telling a story about a master who's going away for a while, right? Ooh, okay. 
It's really good. His parallels are lining up. And he's giving his resources to his servants. Okay? And so he divides his resources up. <clears throat> to one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one, each according to his ability. Each according to what they have, you know, to their own unique ability. And everybody's a little bit different. And he gives this guy five bags of gold. He's like, I know this guy. This is a guy who's going to invest wisely. This is a guy that I can trust with five bags, so I'm going to give him five bags. I know this other guy, this other servant, solid dude, maybe not a five-bag guy. He's a two-bag guy. I'm going to give him two bags, and I'm going to give him a chance. Let's see what he does with it. And even this guy over here, I mean, according to his ability, I know, you know, I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give him one bag and see what... I'm going to give him this opportunity to use this. Let's see what he does with this one bag of gold. Let's try this out, okay? We've got to fill in some of these details here, all right? And so that's what this master does. That's what Jesus does, the master. So he does this, gives them away. Where are we? Verse, uh, verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at, work at, I'm sorry, went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Now, that sounds pretty great. Somehow was able to double the money, right? I'm not great at math, but that's doubling, right? You know, that's awesome. Wonderful. Great return. I don't know, I would love, what are the details? What are you investing? It was a great return there. So also the one with two bags, I mean, the master takes a, you know, a calculated risk, takes a chance on this guy, the two bags. Well, he gained two more. And that's where it ends in your, in your bulletin, right? That's like the nice part. <laughs> Let's continue on. That's the kind of church we are. We don't just look at the nice parts. We got to see the whole thing. What happens next? What about this one bag guy? What happened to him? But the man with one bag... The man who had received the one bag went off. He dug himself a hole and hid his master's money. After a long time, oh boy, it's been a long time. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Can you imagine this scene? The master's back and sets himself up in a little office somewhere and gets himself a table has a little seat. Come on in. Five, five bad guy. Good to see you again. Been a, it's been a while. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's see what you did with what I gave to you. Imagine that. He's like, look, you know, you, you got to submit your receipts and all your accounts and say, well, what'd you do with what I gave you? Five bad guy has a great meeting with the master. The man who received, verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See? I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Of course. If you were the master in that situation, wouldn't you be thrilled with that? Like, hey, nice job. I knew I could count on you. And you've shown, you've shown me, you've proven to me that I can count. I'm going to give you even more response. I know I can entrust even more to you. That's awesome. Well done. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two. Get ready for this, master. Because see, I've gained two more. His master replied, that's awesome. Well done. Good and faithful servant, you've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. You've proven yourself to me with what I gave you, and now I, I know that I can give you even more. Come and share your master's happiness. 
Let's celebrate this together. You've invested wisely. There's been a great return on your investments. Let's celebrate this. Verse 24. Then the man who had received the one bag of gold came in. Oh, man, this guy. I mean, what was he thinking going into this meeting? I got I to tell him something. I mean, I know we've got five bad guy and two bad guy. And they, what, what am I going to say? I, gotta, I have some kind of story for this master. So he comes in. Master, he said, <clears throat> I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. You realize what he's saying? Listen, Master, I know your deal. You're not doing the legwork here. You're not scattering the seeds. You're leaving it up to us to do. I mean, you've left us, Master, and you've given us, you've given us your work to do, and then you want to enjoy and the harvest and this. You want the returns. We're doing the work. You get the returns. I knew that about you. Ooh. So I was afraid. Was he? So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Here's what you gave to me. I'm giving it back. Imagine you're the master in that situation. Oh, is that, is that how it is? Oh. This master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew. You, you knew this about me. You knew I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. I mean, that's what you accused me of, right? You knew that about me. Well, then you should have, at the very least, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, it would have received it back with interest. So take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags, for whoever has will, will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Let me tell you why we don't like this parable. Okay? Here's what we want. You know, okay, the master is Jesus. Here what, here's what we want. We want the man with the one bag of gold to go in and say, well, here, I, you know, you gave me this. You entrusted these resources to me. I didn't use them, but I still have them, so here you go. And we want Jesus to say, well, that's okay, little buddy. That's all right. You're still okay in my book. That's what we want. But that's not what the master says. Now listen. Oh, like I said, you have to make some of these connections on your own between Jesus and us and how we respond to him and what he gives us and all this. But, 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 but think about this. What I mentioned earlier about thinking about our money and when we, when we invest our money and we want to see a return. And every time we part ways with money to see it as an investment, I mean, that's a real challenge, Right? I mean, that could be the whole point of today's message is just that, you know? I encourage you to go out from here, and every time you part with money, think of it as an investment. Think about what returns are you looking for. Amen, go in peace, yada, yada, yada. Okay, that could be it. And that's a challenging concept. I mean, if we just did that, if we just took on that perspective of saying, okay, anytime I part with money, I'm going to think of it as an investment. If we just did that, that would be challenging enough. But Jesus, he takes that challenge to a whole new level. Okay, it's one thing to think about investing your money, your resources. It's another to think of it as investing somebody else's money. 
as God's money, as God's resources. I mean, what if you did that? Listen, even if you don't believe this is the case, how could that possibly change the way you think about money, spend money, save money, give money away? If you thought of everything you have as not being stuff that you've earned, but being a gift given to you by the Master, here's where this parable has the high potential of being offensive. (laughs) Because we are being challenged, among other things, we are being challenged to think about all that we have as things that have been entrusted to us by God. And yeah, we're talking about money today, but the same principle applies to everything we have. Whatever it is, however much or however little. Yes, your material stuff, your wealth, your money, your education, your job, your power, your position. What if we were able to see all of that as gifts from God? That's a challenge because there's just something, there's something inside of me and there's something inside of you that pushes back against that. There's a logical reason why we push back against it. Let me make this personal, okay? Let me tell you where I struggle with this. There are two versions of my story that I can tell myself, right? And I think the same is true of you. In one version of my story, I'm the hero, right? And I'm a, you know, young Josh Schaefer went out into the world and he pulled himself up by his bootstraps and he made his way through school with, with no help from anyone and the world was against him and he worked really hard and he did well in school and he got good grades and then he went, went on to pursue a master's degree and he did it all himself and he got really good grades except for preaching class. You got to see him preaching. True story. You don't seem surprised by that. Anyway, but other than that, he worked really hard and finally, because of his efforts and his ingenuity and And how great he was, he was able to survive in this world. (sighs) That's one version of the story. It's not the true version of the story. The other version of the story, the true version of the story, is this Josh Schaefer is just some guy who's blessed by God. And yeah, I was able to go to school because God put certain resources in my life, certain things in my life that enabled me to do that, including student loans or whatever, you know, and... There's certain ways and certain help I've received along the way, support I've received along the way, and through family and through friendships, I've been blessed, and I've been blessed, and I've been blessed. So I can say, okay, listen, everything I have, I've earned it. Okay, maybe there are a few things that were gifts. Okay, that was a gift, that was a gift. But most of what I have, I've earned. I could take that attitude, and so could you. Or we could try to find some humility and some perspective Now listen, I don't think Jesus is trying to take away from you the credit that you deserve. You have worked hard. You have earned things. It's not about just completely, you know, he's not trying to take that away from you and neither am I. But think about it this way. Again, let me make this personal. Here's what I know. There are people in this world, not too far away from here, who are better educated than me, who are better public speakers than me, who are better preachers than me, who are better pastors than me that aren't in my position. They're unemployed and struggling. Why am I here and they're not? God. God's unique blessing in my life. And I would encourage you to take on that same mentality. Yes, you work hard. No one's going to take that away from you. And you've put in the hours, and you've put in the time, and you've built your business, or you've, you've climbed the ladder. You've done what you've done, but you could not have done it without God's help. Listen, I don't know who first said this, but somebody once said, you know, listen, I hit the lottery just being born in America. 
And I know that this country has been through a whole lot, a whole lot, you know, I know that. But this is still the land of opportunity. What a blessing. You had no control over where you were born. To be born here, that's a blessing from God. Can we do this thing? Can we take a look at all that we have and say, this is God's stuff. This is God's money. These are God's resources that he has entrusted to me as one of his servants. And I want to invest these resources wisely and receive the kind of returns that would please my master. What kind of returns would please our master? What does he want to see? You know, we got to leave the metaphor and now talk about Jesus. What kind of returns does Jesus want? He wants to see life change. He wants to see transformation. He wants to see more and more people get to know Him. He wants to see us help those who are in need. Those are the returns that Master Jesus wants to see. And this is where we're being challenged and encouraged to invest what God has given us wisely. Let me tell you a little bit about your church, our church, and how we invest what God has given us. I mean, this is a big burden of leadership to try and figure out. I mean, hey, there's an offering. I can, I can see dollar bills. Look at that. It's a big burden to be on the finance committee, to be on our leadership board and try to say, God, this is yours. What would you have us do with this? Let me give you a little bit of an idea of where we as a church invest God's resources. Let's start far away and then get closer. Let's start way far away in Kenya, okay? And I'm not going to list everything. I'm just going to give you a few examples of where we collectively, this is you and me, this is us, where we invest God's resources. Let's go over to Kenya. There's a school in Kenya, in Gitawamba, in an IDP camp. And about six years ago, we went to this, this IDP camp, and there was this big barn. It was like, hey, maybe this could be a school. That's what Bill Coble thought. Bill Coble is the head of Start With One Kenya. He thought, man, maybe this could be a school. And over the years, he made that into a school, and we had a chance to help build that school, and it's there. And then all these kids showed up. 400 kids showed up to go to school. It's like, great, now how are we going to feed them? <laughs> oh, yeah, because if we can't feed them lunch, then how are they supposed to get there? They're going to stay home. They're going to be sick. They need to be fed. And school over there, it's different. There's not like a separation of church and state. They can talk about Jesus in school, which is like, oh, that's weird. They can totally do that, right? And so we want these kids born in poverty, we want them to have a chance at an education, a chance at a better life, and they need to be fed in order to do that. And so one of the things that we invest in is this school. And we, this is you, this is you and me and all of us as a church, one of the things we do is we feed those 400 kids for a month. Are you kidding me? A church our size, we feed these impoverished children for a month. Can that sink in? I mean, how, how have we been so blessed to have this opportunity? We're not some big church that's got it all figured out. We're just a bunch of people in the theater trying to make this work. And yet God is, this is such a privilege that we get, that we get to do that. And this isn't some kind of random, distant, oh, we don't know. We know these people. We know the money managers. We know the kids. We've seen them. We've played with them. We've interacted with them. We've disciplined them when they're kicking each other. You know what I mean? They're kids. We've seen them love each other. We've seen them play, we've seen them struggle, and we get, to, we get to do that. We believe that's a worthwhile investment. We believe that that's something that Jesus would be like, oh yeah, well done, I like that. Right? Isn't that the kind of return that Jesus would want to see? You know where else we invest? We invest, we invest in people, big time. We invest in people. And it's not just over there in Kenya, it's not just the feeding the kids. We also invest in Bill 
and Chad Coble, who lead that ministry. There are, there are missionaries that we sponsor. And some people might say, well, why give them money? Why don't you just take the money you're giving to them and give it to the kids so they can eat more? Like, well, listen, we're investing in their leadership. Because without them, everything else they do, all the clean water filters, it all shuts down. They've got their bills to pay, right? They've got to pay their rent. They've got to put food on their table. And if they can't do that, all the other wonderful stuff that they're doing comes to a halt. So we gladly, happily, enthusiastically support them and what they're doing. We believe in investing in leadership. And we will gladly give them support. Let's get closer to home. That's far away. Let's get closer to home. Let's keep talking about missionaries. There's a couple of missionaries we support nearby. There's a guy named Dolph Lario. Anybody know Dolph? You might one day. You might meet him. Great guy. You know what? He's a missionary. You know where he works? Chester County and Delaware County. You know who he ministers to? People like me, (laughs) to pastors. He does this amazing ministry where he's working with pastors and he works with churches and he helps them because churches can so easily get sidetracked. We, for, we can forget about the mission of God. We can forget about what it's supposed to be about. We can get beat up. That doesn't happen to me here, but pastors can get beat up and so he ministers to them and we have personally benefited from his ministry. Hope Community Church didn't exist before Dolph. I met him years ago, about 10 years ago, and he taught me about all these things and so we just love him. And we see, you know what we see in his work? We see Transformation. Lives being changed, ministries becoming more effective, more and more people finding salvation in Jesus Christ, and not just that, but then living into their calling. We discover that, and so we support that. There's also this dude I know named Tom Wolf. You guys know Tom Wolf? He's a missionary now, right here in Delaware County and in Chester County. He's here working with guys with men, men's ministry, and we support that ministry. I just met with him last week, and I hear the stories he's telling about life change. And he works with guys, especially guys who are struggling with sexual addictions. It is a much-needed ministry. And the groups that he works with and the one-on-one sessions that he has, is like this is something where there's a whole lot of powerful transformation happening, lives being saved, families being saved through this, and we will gladly support that. Let's bring it closer to home i got to tell you this story. Just last week, it's last Tuesday, we had a board meeting, and at that meeting, our treasurer said, the, I didn't make a big deal, but I just noted it, and just made, you know, didn't make a big deal about it in the moment. Our treasurer said this, we're going over the money, we're, you know, budget details and all that, that's part of our job. And he said, we believe in investing in our leaders in this church. I was like, wow, hey, I'm one of them. You know, I, I appreciate that so much. That those of us who are on staff, we've got a staff of four, we've got two part-time, one full-time, one almost, almost, we're working on it, we're working on it, right? Almost full-time. But to hear those words, and this, listen, I, I don't know, you realize how unique this is? I love being a part of a church where you support your staff and you believe in us. And like, let me make this really personal. You want me to be able to take care of my family and pay my bills? Thank you, because that's unique. You realize how some churches are? Like they just want to just get every little bit of ministry out of their staff without paying them anything, and we don't care if you're in debt, and we don't care. You're not like that. Thank you. So, you know, thank you, all right? I didn't mean to make this about me, but thank you. I appreciate that, and we all do, and we all do. No, I've had... You want to talk, Sean? Should we talk about you? Well, I've had several... We're going to talk about Sean. He's right there. Isn't this fun? I warned him. Let's talk about Sean, right? So let me tell you what's up with Sean, because so many people have asked me. He's like, hey, uh... 
how you, how you, how you going to pay this guy? What's going on there, right? So many, we've had this conversation. So many people have wondered about this. How are you going to make this investment in this guy? How are we going to do this? Well, let me tell you what's up. Let me tell you the story of Sean. <laughs> Years ago, as a church, we realized, I was praying, we are like, what's going on? What do we need to do? What's next for us? And I started to realize that there were things that we, did, we need some more leadership here specifically in the area of missions and youth. We need some more leadership because missions are becoming a big part of our identity as a church, and that's a lot of time and a lot of resources. We need some leadership. And the whole youth thing is like, we need somebody to have vision for youth ministry. We need to make this happen. I don't know what we're going to do. Now, a lot of other churches, what they may have done at that point is like post a job listing or something like that, but since we're not fancy, we just prayed about it. It's like, well, let's just pray about it and see what happens. And so we're praying about it, and all of a sudden I get a message from Sean who I knew way back in the day. He says, hey, I'm looking for an internship. Can I come intern at Hope? I was like, well, I guess so. You know I mean? Yes! You want to come in and do ministry and not get paid? Hmm, I don't know. Yes! And so I was like, God, and, that's, and that was three years ago. I was like, God, what are you up to here? What are you up to? When we know there's a need and you're bringing us people to meet the need, and that's fantastic. And so Sean interned with us for two summers, and the conversations kept going on with our leadership and with our church and with Sean and figuring out where is God's leading. And so it's like, you know what? Yeah, we feel like this is what we need right now. We want to make an investment in youth, right? I mean, they're not just the future, they're the today. We want to make an investment there. We want to make an investment in missions, and we want to make an investment in this guy. We do. I mean, we love this guy, don't we? The work that you're doing. Do you realize the risk that he's taken to be here? This is like a professional dude, and he's here with us. What is he doing here? And he's taking a calculated risk being here. Because here's the reality. You're wondering, how are we going to pay Sean? Well, here's the thing, that we do need to see an increase if we're going to keep Sean on beyond 2019, and that's just the way it is. So Sean took that step of faith, and so are we, and we totally believe that when that time comes, we'll be able to keep Sean on because we believe in investing in our youth, in our missions programs. We believe there's awesome returns happening. I mean, we've already seen the fruit of this ministry. We've already seen it, and we want to see even more. This is us as a church. It's where we invest our resources that God has given to us. Not just that, but look at all the things in your jam-packed bulletin today, right? Look at where we're investing and how we're serving and how we're trying to be the church in this community. And if you want to know, listen, I don't have to list all these examples for you. If you want to know if it's working, right, if this whole Hope Community Church thing is working, just look at your own life. What we are after, our goal, I could put it a number of different ways, but to put it simply, what we're after as a church is transformation. In a word, transformation people who don't yet know Jesus as their Savior, to be transformed by the gospel and become saved, become Christians. But again, that's just the beginning, to live into that calling. You realize that once a person receives Christ as Savior, that's not the end. That's just the beginning of living into your calling. And we want to help people live into their calling and become closer and closer to the thing that Jesus has called us all to be, transformation. So if you want to know if your investments are working out, just look at your own life. Look at yourself. Look at your household. Look at your community. Are you seeing signs of transformation in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood? Are you seeing signs of transformation there? Has your, you don't even look beyond yourself, is your attitude towards church changing? Is your perspective on following Jesus changing? Is your walk with Jesus closer now? Are you transforming?
Do you see the fruit of our labor in your life and in your family and in this community? We believe that we have this wonderful privilege, wonderful burden, if I could use that term. Wonderful burden, is that a thing? Wonderful burden of using God's resources in this community and around the world to create transformation. And that's the work we're going to keep being about. Helping people find Jesus as their Savior. Helping people live into their calling. That's the work that we have been called to do. Now, you might be wondering to yourself, well, how do, we, how, do, how do I as an individual, how do we as individuals, how do we start making better investments with our finances? I mean, if we're going to take this whole thing on, if we're going to embrace this mentality that everything we have is from God, how do we start making some practical changes in our saving, in our spending, in our giving to make better investments, to see better returns? You might be wondering about that. And that's exactly where we're going to pick up next Sunday getting into some more of the specifics of how to be better managers over what God has given us. So we'll look forward to seeing you back next week as we continue on with our series, Your Faith and Your Finances. Let's pray. Father God, we do believe that everything we have as a church is from you. And apart from you, we are nothing. Apart from you, we have nothing. And so everything we have, everything, the financial resources you've provided us with, the people you've provided, the the gifting, the talents, the, the leadership, it's all from you. And we want to use your resources wisely in this community and around the world. We want to hear that from you. Jesus, I want, to, I want to meet you face to face and hear those words from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. We all want that. As your church, we want that. So allow us to live into the calling you've given us. Allow us to be a force for transformation in this community around the world. Allow us to be great managers and stewards over the finances and all the resources you've given us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.